0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Nostalgic Mystery Radio. I'm your host, Stevie Kay, and it's my honor to bring you the radio shows of yesteryear. For this episode, I bring you P.D. James's Devices and Desires. When Adam Dalgleish visits Larksoken, a remote headland community on the Norfolk coast in the shadow of a nuclear power station, he expects to be engaged only in the sad business of tying up his aunt's estate but the peace of Lark Soken is illusory. Someone is terrorizing the neighborhood, and Dalgleish finds himself drawn into the lives of the isolated headlanders in an attempt to uncover what sinister forces are at work. So sit back and relax, and I hope you enjoy this Nostalgic Mystery Radio. Thank you for listening.
1: I wasn't going to tell you, Jonathan. But now you know. I didn't kill Hilary Robarts, but I was there. And I've got a motive. That's why I'm asking you to help. My darling, of course I'll
2: help. I love you, Caroline. I won't let you down. You can depend on me.
3: Devices and Desires by P.D. James. Dramatized in six episodes by Neville Teller. With Robin Ellis as Adam Dalgleish. Episode 4. Miss Amflit,
4: I understand that Dr Mayer had a relationship with Miss Robarts.
1: Dr Mayer never confides in me about his private life.
5: But you're his personal assistant. You'd be in a better position to know about such things than almost anyone else.
1: I'm not concerned with his personal affairs in any sense of the word.
4: This habit Miss Robarts had of swimming at night, did you know about that?
1: Yes, a lot of people did. She kept up a regular routine well into the autumn. Nine o'clock every night.
5: Except the night she went to dinner with Dr Mayer and his sister.
4: Last Thursday, wasn't it?
1: well, I don't think she was obsessive about it.
4: You knew about the dinner party.
1: Miles Lessingham mentioned it.
4: Now, let's turn to yesterday evening. Miss Robarts was killed sometime after seven o'clock. Where were
1: you? At home, in my bungalow. I was there from about six. Alone? No, Sergeant. I was with my boyfriend.
5: And he is...?
1: Jonathan Reeves.
4: When did he leave?
1: About 10.30.
4: And were you together all the
1: time? All the time, Chief Inspector.
4: All the time, Chief Inspector. Well, thank you, Mr Reeves. We may ask you some more questions later.
2: I... I understand. Thank you.
5: He was jumpy as a cat, Gav. I
4: think he's lying. No, not necessarily... Perhaps just frightened, embarrassed. Neither of them has an obvious motive, and there's no evidence that they knew the details of the Whistler's little habits.
5: Unless this Lessingham bloke spilt the beans to Caroline Amfield when he told her about Thursday's dinner party.
4: Hmm. Were you aware, Mr. Lessingham, of the relationship between Dr. Mayor and Miss Robarts? I thought it likely they'd been lovers. Did you know it had ended?
6: I assume so. Look, if you want details of Dr Mayer's personal life, you'd better ask him yourself.
4: I have enough trouble managing my own. But you weren't aware of any difficulties caused by the relationship? Resentment? Accusations of favouritism? Jealousy, perhaps? Not from me, I assure you. My interests lie elsewhere. Did
6: you like Hilary Robot? No. Why not, Mr Lessingham? Well, does there have to be a reason? There aren't many people I like, and she doesn't happen to be one of them. I found her overbearing and insensitive. It doesn't mean I wanted her dead. And how did you spend last night, Mr. Lessingham, from about six o'clock? I have a 30-foot sailing boat berthed at Blakeney. I often go sailing on a Sunday. I went out yesterday on the morning tide. I was out till nearly ten at night. The chap who berths his fishing smack next to me saw me leave. There was no one around when I berthed. you carry a dinghy? mm hmm An inflatable. And at the risk of exciting you, I have to say, I also carried my collapsible bicycle. But I didn't put ashore either at Larksoak and Headland or anywhere else, not even to murder Hilary Robarts. This portrait of Miss Robarts, uh, did you ever see it? We all did. George Jago, the manager of the local hero, uh, put it up for a week in the bar, but Blaney didn't slash it. Why not? A creative artist or scientist doesn't destroy his own work. Hmm.
5: One last point. Miss Mayer's dinner party. You gave the guests a description of the whistler's methods, including information we'd specifically asked you to keep to yourself.
6: (sighs) One can hardly arrive two hours late for a dinner party without some explanation. I'm afraid that keeping quiet would have needed more self-control than I was capable of at the time. And I thought they were entitled to a vicarious thrill. Besides the people at that party, did you pass on details of that murder to anyone else? To Caroline Amphilip, for instance? I did not. And now, if you've no more questions, I have a power station to run.
7: Would you or Sergeant Oliphant care for coffee?
6: Uh, Thank you, no, Miss Mayor.
7: Hmm, I'll see you're busy. Correcting proofs takes up an inordinate amount of time, Chief Inspector. I have a new book coming out for Christmas. Ah. Now, uh, Hilary Robots. I can't help you about her death, I'm afraid. I was here all evening. My brother gave me the news when he got home last night. But I can tell you a little about her portrait. Oh, Alice, isn't this all so horrible? May I introduce Mrs. Dennison? Meg, this is Chief Inspector Rickards and Sergeant Oliphant. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm interrupting, but I had to get out of the house. This is appalling news, Inspector. Are you absolutely certain it couldn't have been the whistler?
4: Not this time, madam.
7: The timing's wrong. I told you that when I rang this morning, Meg. I just kept hoping there'd been a mistake. That he'd killed her and then himself. That Hilary Robarts was his last victim. It couldn't have been the whistler. He was dead. I think this is what's called a copycat murder. Oh, it's horrible. It's horrible. Having started, will he go on? Like the whistler did, death after death, no one feeling safe.
4: I shouldn't let that worry you, Mrs. Dennison. But of course it worries me.
7: Must worry all of us. We've lived so long with the horror of the whistler. It's appalling to think that it's starting all over again.
3: How much do you know about nuclear power, Mr. Dalgleish? It might be wise to assume that I know nothing. Hello, Alex. I've asked Miles Lessingham to join us. Mr. Dalgleish, we meet again. I've invited Mr. Dalgleish on a tour of the plant, Miles. I'll come with you as far as I can, but I have to be back in the office by three. Of
6: course. Uh, That's the turbine house to our right.
3: The reactor building and the cooling plant are behind it. We run Magnox Thermal Reactors here, Mr. Dalgleish. Somewhat past their sell-by date, I'm afraid... It's a type first commission in 1956. The fuel is uranium metal. To conserve the neutrons, it's clad in a magnesium alloy called Magnox, hence the name.
8: Is this the type they have at size
6: 1? One of them. Uh, They've also got one of the new generation pressurized water reactors,
3: the PWR. Now that's what we're in line for in due course. We're planning to run the two types in tandem for a bit and then change over entirely.
8: It was an extraordinary couple of hours. Garbed in protective clothing, we stood in the great turbine hall, ears pulsating, while Mare produced his facts and figures about pressures, voltages and breaking capacity. We looked down to where the spent elements lay like sinister fishes underwater in the fuel cooling pond. By the time we reached the reactor house, Mare had left us. I stood alone with Miles Lessingham on a high walkway, looking down at the black charge floors of the two reactors. Remembering Toby Gledhill, I glanced at Lessingham. His face was white and taut. Shock is an odd phenomenon, Mr Dalgleish.
6: For weeks afterwards, I dreamt of watching Toby fall. Then suddenly the dream stopped. I thought I'd be able to look down at the reactor charge floor and put the image out of my mind. But I can... Most of the time, but sometimes, like now, I can see him lying there so clearly it could be real. I got to him first, you know. Oh, I knew he was dead. He looked very small, disjointed, a rag doll. All I was aware of was that ridiculous symbol of a yellow bee on the heel of his trainers. Christ, was I glad to get rid of those bloody things.
7: Look, Alice, perhaps you'd rather I went. I'll get back to the rectory. Nonsense, Meg. Help yourself to coffee. You may as well stay in hear what happened last night. Y- you've no objections, I take it, Chief Inspector? No, oh, not at all. So.
5: You said you were here all evening.
7: That's right, Sergeant, from half past five. My brother arrived back from London around tea time. He went for a walk, had a light meal, and left for the power station at about half past seven. I settled down to work on my proofs. I switched on the answer phone so as not to be disturbed.
4: And you didn't leave the cottage for any purpose?
7: Not until half past nine. Let me tell you the story in sequence. At about ten past eight, it suddenly struck me that with the answer phone on, I might miss an important call for my brother. It was then that I heard George Jago's message that the Whistler was
5: dead. You didn't ring anyone else to let them know?
7: (laughs) I knew it wasn't necessary, Sergeant. Jago runs his own information service... I came back into the kitchen and worked on my proofs until about half past nine. Then I thought I'd collect Hilary Robarts's portrait from Ryan Blaney. I'd promised to drop it in at the gallery in Norwich on my way to London, and I wanted to make an early start in the morning. I rang Scudder's Cottage, but the line was engaged. Then I got out my car and drove over. I went straight to Ryan's painting shed. He said he'd leave it there for me to pick up, but it wasn't there.
4: Exactly what happened next?
7: I left the light on in the shed and went across to the cottage and knocked on the door.
4: Who's that? What do you want?
7: Mr. Blaney, it's Alice Mayer. I've come to pick up your portrait. Well, what's stopping again? It's in the shed. That's the point, Mr. Blaney. It isn't. Of
4: course it's there. I assure you, it isn't. Left of the door, wrapped in brown paper did it myself. Come on. I'll show you.
8: Oh, God.
6: It's gone. Oh,
7: God. Come on, Mr. Blaney. Let me help you back indoors. Oh, come on. Oh, God. Come on.
6: It's gone.
7: Hadn't we better phone the police, Mr Blaney? We could do it from here if your phone is working. I've been trying to get through to you, but it's been engaged.
4: A Bloody receivers not on properly. That's why... Why
7: not phone the police?
5: The sooner the better. Tomorrow. Tomorrow will do. Good night. You didn't discuss the news of the
7: Whistler's
4: death? What was there to discuss? Neither of us were in the mood for a chat. Miss Mayor, from what you saw of Mr Blaney that night, do you think he could have driven a car? Impossible. And he
7: hadn't a car to drive. He had a small van, but it's broken down. Or uh, ridden a bicycle? I suppose he could have tried,
4: but he'd have been in the ditch within minutes. <laughs> Mrs Dennison, did you know last night that the Whistler was dead? Oh, yes. Mr Jago phoned
7: me, too. About quarter to ten. He probably tried to get you earlier, but you were on your way to Norwich Station with the Copleys. No, no, Alice, I wasn't. I should have been, Chief Inspector, but the car wouldn't start. I had to phone Sparks. He runs the local taxi. Luckily, he could just get the Copleys to Norwich, but he couldn't bring me back. He had to go straight on to a job in Ipswich.
4: So you were in the rectory by yourself last night? mm mm-hmm, That's right. Did you leave the house at any time? No. Well... Very briefly.
7: I went out into the garden for a short while. Now, um, if you don't mind, uh, I'd like to go home. Bye, Alice. No, I'll let myself out. Meg?
4: Funny. She hasn't touched her coffee. Miss Mayor, it must have been nearly midnight when your brother got home last night. Did you ring the power station to find out why he was delayed? Certainly
7: not. Alex isn't my husband, and he isn't my child. I don't check on his movements. I'm not my brother's keeper.
5: But he lives with you. You do talk, don't you? For example, you must have known about his relationship with Hilary Robarts. Did you approve?
7: To approve or disapprove would have been as impertinent as that question. If you wish to discuss my brother's private life,
4: I suggest you do it with him. Miss Mayor, a woman has been brutally done to death... And her body mutilated. She was a woman you knew. No, I, I'm, I'm
7: sorry. I'm sorry, Chief Inspector. You're quite right, of course. I'll help you all I possibly can.
4: This won't take much longer, will it, Inspector? I've got the full pub down there and only two on duty. They can't go on managing on their own.
9: Perhaps you don't need me, Mr Rickards. Yeah, I think
4: you'd better stay, Mrs Jagger if you don't mind. We'll be as quick as we can.
9: Now, this uh,
4: painting of Miss Robert...
9: I knew it would bring bad luck. An evil picture, if ever I saw one.
3: Oh, I don't see how you can say a picture is evil, my dear. Not a picture. Evil's what's done by people. Granted, it wasn't the kind of picture you'd want hanging on your sitting room wall.
9: Or in the bar, come to that.
5: Pity you ever did, George. Uh, why did you, Mr. Jagger Well, no, Sergeant, that's quite
3: simple. Because Ryan Blaney asked me to, that's why. Well, did he out to sell it? Oh, no, it wasn't for sale. Not that one. I want them to see it, I said. I want them all to see it. And who did? Well, all the customers
5: who came in the bar. They could hardly miss it. Anyone from the headland or the power station?
4: Oh, can't really say. I'll tell you one person who did see it, though. That's Hilary (laughs) Robarts. She stood there and looked at it, and everyone fell silent. Then she walks over to the door... I've changed my mind about drinking her, she says. And out she goes. I take it she wasn't very popular. We
9: all knew she was scheming to turn the Blaneys out of Scudder's cottage. And him a widower trying to bring up four kids.
4: Was that the last time you saw her?
9: Well, the last time George did. I saw her on the headland yesterday afternoon, only a few hours before she died.
4: How
5: did you come to be on the headland?
9: Delivering the church magazine, wouldn't I?
5: Well, here they are, Mrs. Jago.
9: Usual last-minute rush, Rector.
5: I'm afraid so. But somehow we always seem to meet our deadline. (laughs) Such an alarming word, I always think. Well, I shan't be seeing you for a while now. Why ever not? Mrs Copley and I are off to stay with our daughter in Wiltshire. It's this whistler business. Our daughter insists we go and stay with her.
9: Quite right. Get away, that's the best thing. So, Mrs Dennison will be on her own in the rectory?
5: Uh, just for a bit. But she'll have the jumble sale to occupy her. Huh? Oh, we're getting a bit overwhelmed with all the clothes and things people are leaving at our back door. She's got an awful amount of sorting out to do.
9: They all take a copy of the parish magazine. All except the Blaines, of course. Well, they wouldn't be in RC.
4: Hmm. When exactly did you set off to deliver them?
9: Oh, about three, I reckon. Or well, maybe a bit after. We have a latish dinner on Sundays. And then? Then I got on my bike, put the magazines in the basket and cycled off over the headland. Who did you go to first? Uh, Neil Pascoe in the caravan. It was while I was there that Miss Robarts come driving up in a red gulf. Amy was outside with the kid. Timmy trotted over to the Robarts woman and grabbed at her slacks. <laughs> he didn't mean any harm. He's a friendly little beggar but he'd been mucking about in that muddy patch under the tap. she pushed him away. The kid fell on his bum and started bawling. Then all hell was let loose. Uh, Amy's certainly got a tongue in her head.
5: What about Mr Pascoe? What did he do?
9: Just stood there, looking so white, I thought he was going to faint.
4: Can you remember anything that was actually said?
9: I'd sooner forget most of the swearing, thank you very much. That all came from Amy. When she'd done, Miss Robarts was in a right fury. You speak to me like that Who the hell do you think you are You're nothing but a slut I was thinking of dropping my legal action That's what I came here to say Now you can both sweat I'm bloody well going ahead You Pasco, you'll stand up in court And be made to pay God, you'll pay And I hope it ruins you both You and your damned whore Then into her car she gets and roars away I did my best to cheer up poor old Neil. I told him she was a vicious, evil-minded bitch and that one day someone would do her in.
5: Doreen.
9: Not wrong, was
2: I? Oh, I'm not supposed to, Mr Reeves. Couldn't you come back when Mrs Simpson's here? It's only her birthday I want. I know it's soon. Just imagine what she'd feel like if I forgot. I don't know. No one will ever know how I found out. Old Simpson would murder me. I mean, personnel records. Oh, go on, Cheryl. It won't take a second. Keep a lookout. I've got to do this combination lock. Oh, I always get it wrong when I hurry. Just a mo. Here we are. We've got to be quick. Amphlets. Amphlets. Here it is. Oi, give that back! Just a minute. Name, place of birth, father and mother, home address. Uh, Where's birthday? There, the 14th of October. Now, quick, let me get this back in the safe. It's a good thing you checked. What do you do to celebrate? If the weather stays good, you could always have a picnic on the boat. What boat, Shirley? We don't have a boat. Well, Caroline does. She bought Mr Hoskins' old cabin cruiser. I know, because my Uncle Ted saw the ad in the post office window in Lidset. But when he rang, Mister Hoskins said it had been sold to Miss Amplett from Larkesoken. Good God! When was all this? Oh, three weeks ago. She must be keeping it a surprise.
0: Yes. Is Miss
2: Caroline Amplett at home, please? Who is that? I'm an old friend of Caroline's. My name's MacLean.
7: Indeed. Then how strange that I don't know you and that you apparently don't know that Miss Amplett no longer lives in London.
2: Well, we've lost touch with each other. Could you give me her address?
7: I don't think I'd care to do that, Mr McLean. but if you leave a message I'll see that it reaches her.
2: Is that her mother speaking?
7: No. This is Miss Beasley, the housekeeper.
2: Does Caroline still work at Larksocken Power Station?
7: If you know that, Mr McLean, then I cannot imagine for one second why you bothered to ring me. Goodbye.
2: Tuesday, the twenty seventh
8: of September. It was after ten thirty at night when Rickards came for the second time to Larksoke Mill.
4: Just as it comes, uh, thanks.
8: How's your wife? Oh, she's uh, she's fine, fine. Cheers. Cheers. Well, now that the whistler's dead, I suppose she'll be coming home.
4: <laughs> <laughs> well, you'd think so, wouldn't you? No, I'd like it. Um, she'd like it. There's just a the little problem of Sue's ma. Ah. Doesn't want her Sue mixed up with any
8: unpleasantness, especially murder. Well, with the baby due. Yeah. It's difficult to isolate yourself from unpleasantness if you marry a police officer.
4: <laughs> as far as Mar's concerned, this new murder's as good an excuse as the Whistler for keeping Sue with her. How's the investigation going? Well, one or two leads. I've been looking into Hilary Robarts' background. Her dad was Peter Robarts. You remember him?
8: Financial scandal, wasn't it?
4: Hmm. He made a quick fortune in plastics, lost it just as fast. (laughs) Women, gambling, high living. He was lucky not to end up inside. The fraud squad were within days of making an arrest when he had his heart attack. So uh, she must have had a hard time. Daddy's little girl one day, nothing too good, and then near disgrace and poverty. Ah. Mind
8: you, I'm not sure all this is relevant. Nothing about the victim is irrelevant. Victims die because they are uniquely themselves. Well, this
4: one's left precious little to go on. There's nothing worth finding in that cottage, except the letter to a solicitor about getting married. We've spoken to him, of course. He doesn't know the name of the man, nor does anyone else. Seen her will. She left everything to Alex Mayer. But I can't see Mayer killing her for twelve thousand pounds in a derelict cottage with a sitting tenant. <laughs> uh, she uh, she was his mistress, incidentally. Did he tell you that? Well, Morley had to, didn't he? He's too intelligent to keep back information he knows we're bound to discover sooner or later. His story is that the affair was over by mutual consent. He expects to move to London. She wanted to stay here. (laughs) Cyril Alexander Mayer. He's dropped the Cyril. (laughs) Probably thinks Sir Alexander sounds better. (laughs) By the way, he showed you around a power station
8: yesterday, didn't he? Well, most of the talk was technical, all about reactors. Miles Lessingham showed me the high fueling machine from which Toby Gledhill fell to his death. Mm. It did strike me that Gledhill's suicide might have a bearing, but I just don't see how. It obviously affected Lessingham quite a lot. There was a rather cryptic exchange at the mayor's dinner party between him and Hilary Robart's.
1: I'm surprised you weren't treated as a suspect. After all, you were first on the scene. And this is the second time you've been, well, almost in it a death. It's becoming quite a habit.
6: But there's a difference, isn't there? I had to watch Toby die, remember? And this time, no one will even try to pretend it isn't murder.
4: Ah, yes, the dinner party. I reckon that cosy little gathering is at the nub of this case. Something I wanted to ask you about, that. Uh, that child, Teresa Blaney, exactly how much of the conversation about the latest Whistler victim did she overhear? Well, some of it, certainly. But I couldn't say how long she was in the dining room. So she could have heard about the cut on the forehead and uh, the pubic hair. But would she have told her father about the hair? Would a young
8: girl tell that to a man? Oh, today's kids say anything to anyone. Well, to cast Blaney as chief suspect, I think you'd have to show beyond doubt that he knew the precise details of the Whistler's MO. In any case, doesn't Blaney have an alibi from Miss Mayor? She says he was drunk. And at home by 9.45. What about Theresa? Wasn't her story that she went to bed at 8.15 and came down just before 9 for a drink? That's
4: what she said. But I'm pretty sure that child would confirm any story her dad chose to tell her. God, I hope to God it's not Ryan Blaney. Those kids have lost enough already. But, uh, well, he's got the strongest motive of all. Uh, he certainly hated Hillary Robarts. Yes, and it's not only that she was trying to force him out of Scudder's cottage. It goes deeper than that. Something to do with his wife, maybe. Well, he seems to blame her for his wife's death. But didn't George Jago ring him
8: up on Sunday evening?
4: That's what Jago told me. He says he phoned at 7.30.
5: Mr. Jago here, Teresa. Is your dad
3: about?
2: He's painting, Mr. Jago. He's out in the shed and he said I wasn't to disturb him.
3: Oh, Well, that's all right, but I got a very important message for him. Will you make sure he gets it as soon as he comes in? Yes, of course I will. Will you tell your dad the Whistler is dead? Killed himself just now over East Haven.
2: Can you remember that? Of course I can, Mr. Jago. I'll tell him.
4: That's what Jago told her. No mention of times, nor of the hotel. Blaney could have assumed the body was found in open country. East Avons, just down the coast. This is his chance. He can kill Robarts and everyone will assume that the Whistler has claimed
8: his last victim and then done away with himself. Or what about the slash portrait? I mean, are we safe in assuming that it isn't directly connected with the murder? Quite frankly, I can't see Blaney destroying his own work. Yeah, that portrait's a puzzle, I grant you. And if you believe Miss Mayer, the case against Blaney collapses anyway. She says she saw him at Scudder's Cottage at 9.45 and that he was half drunk. Granted, he could have feigned that. But what he couldn't do was kill Hillary Robarts at 9.20 and get home by 9.45, not without the use of a car he didn't have. Mm. She's given him an alibi which I don't think you'll be able to break.
4: But he hasn't given her one, has he? Her story is that she was alone in Martha's cottage until she left just after 9.30 to collect the portrait. And she has a motive. Hilary Robarts was her brother's mistress. Now, I know he tells us it was all over, but we've only his word for that. Suppose they'd planned to marry when he goes to London. Alice has devoted her life to her brother, unmarried. Why give way to another woman
8: just when Mayor is about to achieve his ambition? The Mayor's live quite separate lives. She's a highly successful writer, very much her own woman. Yeah, all right, but
4: look, take another scenario. Suppose he's tired of Robart's and she's pressing him to marry her. Suppose she's making herself a nuisance, emotional blackmail. Well, wouldn't Alice Mayer feel like doing something about that?
8: Like devising and carrying out a singularly ingenious murder? Isn't that carrying sisterly devotion a bit far? Mm. Robots could hardly blackmail him with the relationship itself, since neither was married and there was no scandal involved. And I can't see anyone coercing Alex Mayer into something he didn't want to do. Yeah, and if somebody tried, that might turn him vicious. True.
4: What about that couple at the caravan? Well, the girl, Amy Cam... Says Pasco was out earlier in the evening but got back to the caravan by nine. Neil Pascoe's certainly got a motive. If Hilary Robarts had gone ahead with her libel action, it would have ruined him. And it's in Cam's interest to support his alibi. She's got herself very cosily fixed up with a kid in that caravan.
8: Excuse me. <coughs> Mark and Mill. Olive Hand. For you. Oh. Yeah, what is it?
4: Thank you, Sergeant. Yep, good night. That footprint at the scene, it's been confirmed. It was the sole of a bumble trainer, right foot, size 10. Bumbles are unique. They've got a yellow bee on each heel, you
8: must have seen them. Well, as a matter of fact, I have seen one, and quite recently. Last Wednesday, the day I arrived, I took some of my aunt's clothes to the old rectory for the church jumble. They keep a couple of tea chests in the scullery inside the back door and people just leave their things. I saw the heel of a bumble trainer among some other shoes. I think it's possible they were Toby Gledhill's. Lessingham told me that Toby was wearing bumbles when he killed himself.
3: In episode four of Devices and Desires by P.D. James, dramatised by Neville Teller, Robin Ellis played Adam Dalgleish. Suzanne Bertisch was Alice Mayer. Susanna Doyle, Hilary Robarts. Bruce Alexander... Rickards, Emily Richard, Meg Dennison, Dermot Crowley, Blaney, Dominic Jeffcott, Miles Lessingham, Amita Deary, Caroline, Vaughan Savelle, Jonathan, Kate Wilton, Teresa and Shirley, John Badderley, Jago, Joanna Brooks, Mrs Jago, Paula Dionizotti, Miss Beasley, Jonathan Taffler, Oliphant, and David Enders played the Reverend Copley. Devices and Desires was directed by Matthew Walters as a Ladbrook Radio production for BBC Radio 4.